which target should be addressed in order to achieve peace, justice and strong institutions. They range from reductions in violent conflict, reductions and an abolition of child uh, exploitation and labor. Um, they target illicit financial flows and organized crime, bribery and corruption, effective and accountable institutions, participatory and representative decision making, legal identity, free flow of information, protection of fundamental freedoms, global governance issues. I mean, there's a lot there. And at the end of the day, peace is a prerequisite for sustainable development. It's a prerequisite also for the international community to come together and to address climate change, poverty, any of these other issues that we are faced with. With the Sustainable Development Goals, there was an acknowledgement at that point, the intersection and the complex, complex intersection between peace and sustainable development. We are now in the decade of action and here we'll talk with companies and experts from all over the world about how they're taking actions on the SDGs. To learn from each other about the challenges, opportunities and solutions on the road towards 2030. From the GRI, this is The Rising Tide. Episode on STD 16, Peace, Justice and Strong Institutions. We heard from Michelle Breslauer, Governance and Peace Senior Manager at the UN Global Compact. Michelle co-leads corporate recruitment, engagement and project management on STD 16, including working with companies on corporate governance, purpose and ESG. She shares her perspective on the complexity of that concept known as peace. Peace is much more than the absence of violence, meaning not so much what is an absence of violence or conflict look like, but what are those factors that support peaceful relationships, lower military, lower violent conflict, less political stability, etc. And everyone must be engaged in actively building peace. It's not a passive process. What Michelle describes is reflected in the core theory of Norwegian sociologist Johan Galtung. The theory basically states the existing differences between the so-called positive piece and the negative piece. And so I think even starting to come from that framework begins to make it more tangible to think about positive peace. And so it also opens up the fact that there are so many different actors involved in building peaceful societies. It is not just in the remit of government because businesses themselves can easily, for instance, increase tensions between different groups of people. They can increase income inequalities, ways of living, and all of these potential negative impacts and risk factors then might play a very significant role in the outbreak of violence. If we look at the frame of positive peace, 
We need justice, access to justice and rule of law, these concepts of fairness in terms of access and justice are very significantly correlated with how people interact with their community and their systems. So there's, those are just some, but there's so many different elements to peaceful societies and what sustains them that I think that there is a space for all actors. And we see that there's also a correlated financial benefit. And I think we're seeing that play out in real time as well. That correlated financial benefit that Michelle mentions and all the linkages between business and peace are the result of something much bigger. For instance, this can be seen in how peaceful countries tend to have greater economic development compared to the ones that are less stable and less peaceful. As the concept of positive peace relates to all possible actors of society actively trying to achieve it, the question beyond corporate governance and reporting should be, how do we ensure that businesses incorporate integrity and transparency to all aspects of their operations in order to protect and promote the values of societies and communities? And I think this is really a key question around ethical leadership that businesses are facing, where they have to manage the expectations, not only of shareholders, but now of stakeholders. And those are very complex, sensitive, challenging questions. Not just what is legal, but what is right opens up a huge space of certainly challenges, but also I think opportunities for businesses to ethically take a stand and to engage and then in turn to have impact. And I think that's where we are trying to work with businesses around the world, which also means translating that into various different cultural contexts and legislative contexts and regulatory contexts to ask those difficult questions and to encourage various functions within businesses. So not only at the CEO or board level, but also across legal functions, sustainability, public affairs, communications, to really think about how to incorporate those principles and that question into their internal and external activities. Which means that now, more than ever, business leadership and engagement are in high demand. You know, we are seeing that societal expectations for businesses are rising. And I'm by that, I mean that investors, governments, civil society, meaning employees particularly, and customers are calling on businesses to show bold leadership and engage on political and social issues that even just a few years ago, you would not see businesses speaking out on. And so it's becoming more and more almost a prerequisite. It influences the retention of employees and morale. Investors are looking at how businesses manage their sustainability issues. Governments are increasingly developing regulations for human rights due diligence, for modern slavery, 
for environmental sustainability and climate change that are requiring businesses to report on these issues. Civil society and consumers are calling for businesses to take a stand. So we're seeing these rising expectations. But there are still some challenges that need to be faced if organizations want to reach that potential for building peaceful and strong institutions. And so I think one of the challenges with this work has always been, firstly, how do we not reinvent the wheel in terms of reporting? I mean, there are so many frameworks now being released. There's, of course, initiatives to integrate different reporting standards. And for companies, particularly large companies that have that are multinational, that have offices everywhere, that might have to report out to different regulatory and legislative environments. It's a lot to manage and they're always in many different forms. So you may be reporting on the same aspects, but you may be asked to report on them in various ways. So it certainly can be confusing and overwhelming. So I think we one of the challenges is certainly We don't want to create new frameworks for reporting, but we want to strengthen existing frameworks. Companies must engage across the spectrum of issues in a way that's accountable, ethical, inclusive and transparent. And by doing so, they can have a truly transformative effect on society. And I think in terms of reporting, when companies see Goal 16, they always see it through a governance frame only. And by a governance frame, they think about traditional corporate governance, which generally refers to board and management oversight. We are asking and challenging, in fact, businesses to think about it through a transformational governance frame. And a transformational governance frame acknowledges the fact that company policies activities, relationships, strategies, operations are all part of corporate governance. And we can think about those across the targets of Goal 16. But also, we're increasingly seeing businesses being asked to manage their environmental or social risks and opportunities from a responsible governance or heightened governance perspective that we are calling sustainable governance. And perhaps most importantly and most ambitiously, businesses can no longer step away and out of the broader societal and political context in which they're operating and the societies that they're serving. So if businesses are being also called upon through transformational governance to strengthen the institutions, laws, and systems around them, then they have to engage responsibly with government, with civil society, with international institutions to do so. And how do you capture that aspect of global governance and also integrate it into wider reporting structures? And so I would also argue that Goal 16 traverses many areas of corporate reporting frameworks because It is grounded still in human rights, in principles-based behavior. It touches on labor, it touches on governance, but it also touches on sometimes a more, more challenging to quantify areas of global governance as well. 
We could state it like this. Corporate leadership is clearly moving from pure compliance to a more ethics-driven practice. I don't know if there's a, a perfect society um, and a perfect state in which business can flourish. I think where we are asking businesses to be more ambitious is to make the connections between how their internal activities, strategies, policies, operations, and relationships align with their external ones. And so I do think that paying closer attention to walking the talk or bringing transformational governance into your corporate DNA, um, expanding corporate governance beyond the traditional notions, embracing transformational governance, all these ways that I might say it, I do think that that can articulate a space for businesses to be responsible and to engage responsibly. So ideally, business is working as a complement to government action, not as a substitute to government. We have to be very careful not to be encouraging businesses towards some sort of corporate capture of government. But in turn, businesses around the world are calling for governments themselves and public institutions to also be accountable, ethical, inclusive, and transparent. So it is a bit of a two-way street. And we need both. We need civil society and we need media. You know, we need all of these actors and stakeholders to be working together towards the major issues that we are facing. And we're looking at Goal 16 under an umbrella of what we are calling transformational governance. The Rising Tide podcast is co-produced by the TRI and Naranja Media. We want to thank Michelle Breslauer for sharing the time and expertise. We also want to thank the Swedish government for making this podcast series possible. We greatly appreciate their long-standing support for sustainable development work, catalyzing actions towards the SDGs. Thank you for listening.